Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com, or you can find us at facebook.com slash vctchurch, and you can check us out more there. Uh, this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we uh, bust open the Old Testament and the scriptures, and we see how it all kind of eventually points to Jesus. Yep. And so it's it's been a great class so far. We are in the book of Exodus. We are going to be in chapter, I believe, four. Yep. Yeah, we're going to be in chapter four. We're going to pick up from where we left off last night, or rather, last week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Um, if you, if this ministry, if this work has blessed you in any way or you'd like to partner with us here at Central Church of Christ, I want to encourage you to head over to our website. We have a donate button through PayPal there and uh, you can send your donation. We, we'd really appreciate it and we'd love to partner with you as we seek to teach Absolutely. the word of God and spread the gospel. Absolutely. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to be in Exodus chapter four tonight. It's going to be fun. Uh, why don't we pray? Let's get All started. Right. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together tonight. We pray, Father, you help us as we as we navigate through the text. We pray, Father, you help us to find the things that we need to know, the things that we need to apply to our own lives, and, and then give us the courage, Father, to apply them to our lives. We thank you so much for the power of the word, the power that has to change men's lives. And we pray your blessings upon those who are listening, who may have some real struggles in their life and are really looking for a change in their life. Father, help them to uh, to find that those those opportunities and find the ways they need to change uh, as they as they navigate and read through the scriptures father bless them and bless us as we go as we go there that we might say the right things at the right time thank you so much for your son we're uh, we're striving to get there through the old testament to get to uh, to be introduced to him and but we know that we already have him here and we're so grateful for him and it's in his name that we pray amen amen all right so last week in exodus we looked at um we looked at Moses trying to kind of trying to get out of his responsibility. Mm -hmm. saw how kind he, of trying? Well, he, he tried. Yeah. He no, tried. he's scrambling. He's yeah. He, he's he worked hard at it. He did. He doesn't. He doesn't want it. He didn't want to. <laughs> he say, he's saying, Lord, find somebody else. Well, and we'll find out later. He'd been in Midian for about forty years, so yeah. he's about eighty at this point. Yeah. So we've seen how the man of action went from the man of action to the man of terror. Yeah. <laughs> Running away as fast yeah. as he can. Yeah, he did. Um. So I don't know, maybe he learned in, in the 40 years he was in Midian, you know, maybe he learned patience or temperance or... Well, God has a way of teaching us mm -hmm. through our experiences. You know, you uh, you have an experience and, and he teaches you, uh, he teaches, he slows you down, gets you patient. You know, you, you start to get mature, maturity, you know, and God has a way of doing that to us. So I'm sure that's what God was doing, getting him ready. He knew, he knew Moses already. He knew what he was going to do with him. Uh, and he's just getting him ready. You know, sometimes 80 years to God is nothing. 40 years to God is nothing. Right, right. It doesn't yeah. matter nothing. I mean, he can keep me alive as long as he wants. If he's got some plan for me, when the plan's over, then, you know, that it'll be over. Because yeah. life, human life to us is different than it is to God. You know, with that in mind, you know, God's perspective and view of things is just so different. So with that kind of in mind, how important would you say is it to be obedient to God? Oh, man. I mean, it's been obedient from the from the very beginning, from the garden. I mean, you know, God says something to do. You know, he he's he is expecting you to do that. He holds us accountable to it. Absolutely, he does. I mean, I think it's I think it's extremely important 
No, no I think it's it's absolute to be obedient to God. Uh, I think it's uh, now. I think God's a, a very kind and very merciful, very a very generous. Uh, I think He takes into account all the things that we can't take into account that we don't know about people. I don't know people's hearts. I don't know their mindset. I don't know what's going on in their brains and how their how the chemicals and all that stuff's working. Right. But I don't know where people are. God does know. And so God's gonna 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 judge. But for me, if He God says to jump, then I need to be jumping. Well, and you know, I, I like to bring in Romans one, uh, starting in verse eighteen, into this as well. You know, to mm -hmm. consider the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Well, what truth are they suppressing by their wickedness? I think that's an important concept for us to get, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Mm -hmm. So. What, what Paul is saying here is when we act wickedly, when we act in godlessness, when we do these things, we are suppressing the truth of God mm -hmm. because what God, right, since what may be known about God is plain. Well, who is them? I think that's a note to, it's plain to them. Who are we talking about here? And he goes on, he says, because God has made it plain to them. Well, who is them? What is he going to tell us? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people, mm -hmm. let's talk about everybody, yeah, are without excuse. For all they, they, although they knew God, now understand, is what he's talking about here is since they know that there is a God. That's what he's talking. He's talking about the general knowledge here. But look at their response. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So there is an ex God has an expectation of all people, mm -hmm. regardless if they understand deeper things of God, regardless if they're in covenant relationship with him or not, regardless of that, so, God has so we a, all have a responsibility to honor this being that that is God that because we can clearly see it from what's been made. Well and I know I know a lot of people who would dispute that. They would say, well that that's not the case. You know, how you know God God how can God have that expectation of people who've never heard of him? According to God, the creation is sufficient enough to lead people to the knowledge that there is a God. Yeah. And the responsibility that people have I think when they when know you, that. When you start breaking things. down, when you start really looking, honestly looking at 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 uh, you know, people get people get caught up in their own world and mm -hmm. they get caught up in their and they and they and they go and they're living ninety miles an hour, going through life and never stopping for one moment to watch a hummingbird work mm -hmm. or to watch a bee work flower or to look at a rose. Just to look at those things that God has made. That's what he's talking about. He said God is clearly seen through what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So then let's look at what's been made. Okay, what what has been made? And and when you stop and start looking at these things, it it's it very it gets very much more difficult to say this just happened. If you just know, I mean you're an ex-paramedic, you know, not an ex, you are always gonna be have that paramedic mindset. You know, you're a combat medic. So you understand the human body. You understand how things work. You may not understand how to fix it all, but you know how it works. You know how the how the human eye works, right? Mm -hmm. Where it sees things upside down, it reverses it. Right. Come on, man. How we we are poof out of out of nothing, and that just happened? Or that when you look at creation, there is absolute design. Absolutely. You can see it everywhere. If there's the absolute design, there absolutely has to be a designer. Has to be. Well, and I was talking to an, an engineer. Uh, he was working on, he had his undergrad, he was working on his master's, finishing it out. And he 
didn't want anything to do with God. And we, we were talking, he brought up evolution. And I said, look, you understand, you know, mathematics and statistics and how all these things, um, oh gosh, the word just ran away from me. I was about to say it. Uh, probability. You understand probability and in, in, in mathematics and all that. And I said, you know that the watch, right? Just a simple watch is you could take it all apart. You could put it in a jar. You could shake it. And the chances of that thing reassembling itself are next to nothing. You know that probability. We as human beings are on, on a magnitude of order, billion times more complicated than that watch. Billion times. And the idea that we just came together accidentally, I'm not saying evolution didn't happen or it did happen. Okay, I don't I don't really care how God did what he did. Yeah. I care about what he did. Now I have my own personal views on all that stuff, and I'm I'm just trying to avoid that that whole discussion. Sure. But I you, it's it's exactly what you're saying. I'm looking at the creation. Anyone who studies anatomy and physiology for any amount of time, you get to a very it's a very difficult thing to say this all was just random chance yeah because there's just too much that has to work mm -hmm. and it's interdependent systems that work on each other and so what we're what we're talking about is is that men are without excuse yeah they're supposed to know what god that there is a god and and there are some there are some underlying commands that god had you know just the the, the obvious nature of right and wrong just doing right things it's it's bred into into men, I believe, to know right from wrong, to know what the right things are. You know, we're going to talk about being obedient to command that maybe wasn't stated, but is there nonetheless? Do, are we supposed to be obedient? You said, is it important to, to be obedient to God? Absolutely. You know, my quest has been since I was 29 years old is to find out what those things are that God commands so that I can be obedient to them. And, and figuring out that for the first 29 years of my life or for the last before that maybe the last five or six years I was I was spending a great deal of time avoiding all of that stuff I didn't want to do any of it so I just avoided it at all right and then and then I get to 29 looking around and saying you know something's got to change so now I'm looking at okay I got to figure out what it is, is it that he's telling me to do well and how do we glorify and honor God and, and what you know, before sorry, sorry go ahead we're going to get to the point where I'm going to be able to bring up some things that I saw early on in that first that first six eight months, and I'm going, oh my God, I'm man, look how big of a louse I am. I'm doing all these things that God's told these people not to do. I needed to find out it wasn't written to me. That that part wasn't written. That's why we're here to help that you guys that are watching and listening to understand. There's some of it that's going to apply, some of it isn't. Okay, it's our job to find out what's what. Our job here is to tell you what's what. Well, I mean, and we can do that by, by simply looking at the book. Sure, God, God is not shy about no. telling people. He's told us what to it's do. It's just helping people see it and point it out. Yeah. So we're in, and we're, this is gonna, this is all gonna come up again. So we'll touch on this a little bit again as we move forward. But we're in Exodus uh, chapter four, verse twenty-four. And at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses. So remember, Moses has, has tried to get out of it, and God said, "Enough." You're going, Aaron's going to meet you, and you're you're going to speak to Aaron, and Aaron is going to speak to Moses, and that's how we're it's just going to do this. Yeah, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, excuse mm -hmm. me, rather, Pharaoh. And so that's how it's going to work. So Moses went back to his father-in-law, told him what had happened, said, we're going, picked up the staff of God, and off he goes. The right? staff that turned into a snake. Right. Good. Huh. Okay, so at a lodging place on the way, they're headed back to Pharaoh. It's Moses and Zipporah. The Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Hold up. 
hold up. <laughs> he spent all this time getting him ready for 80 years, talking him out of a bush, mm -hmm. turned a stick into a snake, turned his hand lepers, and all of a sudden he's on his way back doing what he's supposed to be doing, going like he's supposed to be going. Yep. God, God looking for him. I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna ax this guy. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted, right. to, I wanted yeah. the audience to understand what just was said. Yeah. Okay. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it, and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. <laughs> the first time I ever read this, I'm going, what in the world is going on here? Whatever it is, it's serious enough. So let's just look at the no, text. Seri no, I think I think we need to. It is so serious that God's done with him. And let's and let's look at what's here, right? Okay. So let's we want to use some logical inferences here, okay. okay? Because obviously some things happen, and so it's startling, right? So the Lord is coming to kill Moses. Moses is dead to the Lord. He's come to kill him. But Zipporah, not Moses, Zipporah, his wife, yes, acts. And intervenes in such a way mm -hmm. that that defuses the problem. Yep. Okay. So Zipporah was aware of the situation. So Zipporah knew what was going on. This isn't like this is coming out of the blue. Zipporah is sitting there like us, scratching her head, going, "Why is the Lord coming to kill Moses?" Zipporah is his wife. She's not an Israelite. She's not a Jew. But yet she immediately knows why the Lord's coming to kill him, kill Moses, and she knows what the solution is. So. Is there more going on here? <laughs> you think? So Zipporah, if Zipporah is aware of what the of what the issue is and can immediately act to solve the problem, then there is more behind this story that we're not told. Yeah. There is more going on. There has had there have been things going beyond beyond behind the scenes of this text that aren't told to us. Obvious, I think it's pretty obvious to me that Zipporah and Moses have had a discussion about circumcision. A man and a wife get married, right? Mm -hmm. Circumcision is not necessarily common. Moses has been circumcised. Well, it's not common at all in that culture. So Moses has been circumcised. There's going to be some questions. What is that? Why? Yeah. You know, there's going to be questions that a wife has. Does Moses know what circumcision is and the, and the reason behind it? I think it's fair to say that he does. And so to refresh our mind, let's go over to Genesis chapter 17, where... Uh, God established the covenant of circumcision. So this is Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. He says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. All right. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants uh, after you, and I will be their God. So this everlasting everlasting covenant with God was circumcision. In verse 10, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household, bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Look at this in verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. 
This is a severe serious. thing. This, this is very this serious. serious. This is serious. So you know that this was this was handed down from 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 Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. You know, this was handed down. All of the Israelite nation. This had been handed down to well, them. and we know Moses a, would know this. There's, we know there's a point where they don't do this anymore because they're going to be they're going to have a mass circumcision out in the wilderness, mm -hmm. and then Joshua is going to circumcise the people again when they go into the promised land. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to understand that ever since God laid down this covenant, the Israelites have been breaking it. Yeah, and this is this is going to be a trend we're going to see not just of this covenant that God made with Abraham, but of every covenant God makes with the people, especially at Sinai. Mm -hmm. When we start looking. Looking at the covenant at Sinai, when God comes down, he's going to lay out the covenant for them. And the covenant is going to be very similar to what he told Abraham, which is, you're going to obey me. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people and you will obey the things I say. And then he's going to give them a whole bunch of, he's going to give them a whole bunch of stuff initially and say, these are the things and they're going to break it. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we need to understand is even the chosen people of God, starting back with Abraham, have been breakers of covenant. Yes. That when it's on us, when it, what we end up doing is breaking covenant. It's an incredibly important, uh, it's an incredibly important thing to grab hold of, a concept for us to grab hold of. God gives a law, man breaks it. That's how this works. That's how this dynamic works. And it doesn't matter if God goes sets goes and sets up on a mountaintop or not somewhere. Man, without his intervention, is going to break the law. Now, I'm not saying that we can't keep the law. It's not possible for us to keep the law or anything of that nature. What I am saying is the end result of man plus law equals broken. Yeah. That's the end result. However you want to philosophize it through that is up to you. But that's what's going to happen. That's what we see consistently. But the very first, the very, one of the very first classes we did on this was in Genesis 3, where God said, I know that's the dynamic. I know that I'm going to give you a law, or just gave you one, and you broke it. That's right. I know what the dynamic is, so I'm going to come at some point and fix it. That's right. And the plan is for God to fix it. That's he right. does that through the death, burial, and resurrection of right. his son. But before we ever get there, you're right. Yes. This is who, That's who he says. He says one day, he yeah. looks at the serpent and mm -hmm. says, this really all stems out of you, yeah. and I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I'm going to take care of them, and I'm going to take care of you. Her seed is going to come and stomp you on the head, and you're going to strike him on the heel. So right from the get-go, God realizes that law plus man equals destruction for man. God, this covenant, we see here that they weren't keeping it. Zipporah, that's, I think this is the issue. Or excuse me, I don't think. That is the issue here. Zipporah take, immediately takes a flint knife and circumcises her son and touches at Moses' feet. Yeah, You've you. done what you're supposed to do now. You're, you're good as per the covenant. That's what's going on why here. Did they, why did they leave a son if Moses is... is why does he leave a son uncircumcised? Dan, why do we... Why do but we, I understand that. But you understand... Why do we know the right thing to do? We know good and right things to do. Why don't we do it? Mm -hmm. It's the same... It's the same... That's the, the fundamental problem. Is there is there some reason you think that could have been underlying? What could have been the reason why he did it? Could it have been to appease a family? Could it have been to appease his wife? Who, who knows? It's it's so easy. Why do we... Why does somebody break into a store and rob? Mm -hmm. Right? Why do they do that? Why does somebody kill someone else? There are all sorts of reasons, excuse me, we come up with to justify. Well, you know, it's just easier. Got to go along to get along. Or I really need this. Or gosh, I really hate what that person did. There are all sorts of reasons. But at the end of the day, what is it that we have done? We have refused to listen to the word of God. Mm -hmm. We have refused to stand on the word of God. And we've taken the easy way out. Mm -hmm. That's what we've ended up doing. There's no question in my mind that Moses knew what he was supposed to do with his child. 
He knew that it, the penalty for not doing this mm -hmm. is to be cut off from his people. My question is, who's going to get cut off? Yeah. The child or the parents? Parents. There's a responsibility here. Mm -hmm. The child has, you can't, eight days, you can't circumcise yourself. Yeah. How are you going to do that? You know? Yeah. We, you know, when we start looking at this text, the importance of being obedient to God, the importance of listening to his commands, the importance of if you're outside the family of God, the importance of taking that knowledge that there is a God and trying to figure out, okay, there's, I know there's a God. This is too much for, too much yeah. for any one thing. What is my responsibility towards that God? Do I have, is there an expectation? Is the God, is God like, you know, are the deists right that God just spun it all and walked away and doesn't care anymore? You know, are they right? Are the Hindus right? And there's all of these gods. Are, are, are the Muslims right? And, and it's Allah. Are, are the Christians right? And it's, it's the Godhead. What, 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 who's right here? There's an expectation to figure it out. You know, we're going to see, uh, we're going to see a whole lot of plagues on Egypt, and we're going to go back to that text and look at what God says man does with the knowledge that there is a God. What's sad, there, you know, I mean, you just hit on it a little bit. The sadness of it is, is how many people out there have, have just decided, I don't really care. I they, don't really care anymore. They haven't decided they don't care. They've decided they are God. Well, that, that probably right in, in some sense. Uh, well, think but, about it. Know, we're going get, to... We get so caught up in life... We get so caught up in the in the magnitude of life that we just don't care. Think about the current gender issue our nation is facing. Yeah, yeah. They think they are God. We're I going to remake gender and sex. You know, I, I find it I find it so confusing trying to keep up with their logic here. So, attraction, right? Who I am attracted to, right? So, like if I'm heterosexual or homosexual or trans, right? All those little things, right? Who I'm attracted to is this strong genetic component that cannot be changed it's attraction and it's it's all these things but my gender well it's whatever i feel like at any any point in time i think we have these backwards the attraction is whatever i feel like they've done studies on prisoners where where you've had heterosexual men all of a sudden become attracted to other men because they're locked up for 30 years and other men are all are the only people available our attraction can be changed and morphed based on our surroundings and situations, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And God doesn't condemn you for the attraction. He condemns you for the practice. Yeah. And I think this is something that we need to we need to understand, okay? You can be attracted to someone else and the expect to to someone you shouldn't be and the expectation is you're going to do the right thing, yeah. right? As a heterosexual male, I could be attracted to a woman who is not my wife. Yes. I'm not condemned for the attraction, I'm condemned on if I act on it, yeah. whether I entertain that attraction in my mind or take actions towards some type of physical thing, right? Mm -hmm. Then I'm held accountable and I'm guilty. So I can be attracted and not be guilty, but now look at what they're doing. Now they're saying I can be attracted and not and not lust after her. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. which Jesus said, if you look upon a woman and to to lust after her, you you've already committed adultery with her. Well, there's there is a vast difference between going, oh, she's an attractive lady. I'm going to move on now and get out of this before I I yeah. you know kill myself here. There's there's that, or there's wow, she's an attractive lady. Yeah. Mm. Right. There's a big difference between those yeah. two, between yeah. those two things. Yeah. Um, you know, that concept, a lot of guys, you know, I've worked on, I work, look, I worked on the ambulances for a long time and I worked with a lot of partners who said, Hey, yeah, I'm married. I can look, but I can't touch. Right. That embodies that 
mind aspect that Christ is talking about. But it's not sin to be tempted. Yeah. And we have to be very careful to distinguish between the two. It's not sin to undergo temptation. Christ underwent temptation. Yeah. And he did not sin. Yeah. And so we have to understand that dynamic. But look at where our world is remaking attraction and gender and all of these things in whose image? In their image. And it's all about a decision to not be obedient. That's what it is at the end of the day. I know that there is a God and I really don't care. Or I'm going to supplant God with myself. This is make in, God into my own image. In point of fact, okay. this is the original sin that Adam committed, Adam and Eve committed. They did not care that God had said, don't eat of this. They don't care about that. What they care about is they want the wisdom and knowledge to rule independently of God. Yeah. God creates man and says, let's rule together. Be my own God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what? And think about what the, the enemy says, right? The enemy looks at him and says, well, hey, if you take of this fruit, you'll, you'll be, be just like, like God. God. Yep. Right? God's already said we are. So we got like a bunch him. of people out there running around in our society striving to be just like God. It's the same thing, but you yeah. know, Dan, it's been it's been the same thing. It happened in the garden. It hadn't changed. No. You know, six, seven thousand or however many thousands of years the garden was, right? I, I, I know what happened, I don't know when, and I'm not worried about it. God's got it. Yeah. But my point is, none all all this far away removed from the garden, and man's still doing the same thing. Yeah. Still following after the same foolishness and the same nonsense. It's it's, it's it hasn't changed. No. The question is always comes back to yeah. what are we gonna do with God? Are we gonna seek to follow him, glorify him, thank him, look to rule with him, or are we gonna try to rule independently? Well, him? we found out here that evidently, no, not evidently, absolutely, the that when God said you're gonna this is a sign of the covenant, he meant it. He meant it. He meant it. He meant it. Because he's fixing to he's fixing to up unseat Moses and find go find somebody else. So right now I'm teaching New Testament church. And you know, we've been teach I've been teaching New Testament church for about two months, I want to say, uh, August, the end of August we started. So, you know, September, end of August, October. September and October. Mm -hmm. Right. And we spent this entire time in the old covenant. Yeah. And we spent that time in the old covenant though, for us to understand how covenant works. And my, th those who are in that class will know when I say this, there, you know, there are three types of covenants we see in scripture. Okay. One of those covenants is called the suzerain covenant. And that's God as, as an authority or as King, and he gives covenant terms to his vassal, okay? And it's the vassal's responsibility to make to maintain those terms, to do the things that God has told him he needs to do. The vassal never gets to state terms. God states the terms of the covenant or the contract. He states the terms of the contract. This is what it's going to be. The only choice the vassal has is whether he's going to enter in or not enter in. He doesn't get to dictate any terms. He doesn't get to state any terms. God does not allow us to dictate terms of covenant to him. It doesn't work that way. God always establishes the terms of the covenant. So does Moses have a choice here? Does he have a choice if he wants his child to be in covenant relationship with God to circumcise or not circumcise? No, no he has no choice. Mm -mm. This is what it is. And in point of fact, Moses really has no choice in it at all because Abraham, his father, legally is the one who made that choice. Abraham is the patriarch of the covenant. That's right. And You're he's right. the one who chose to go into covenant. At the covenant of Sinai, the people will choose to go into enter into covenant with God and that covenant will also apply to their children. Yeah. Yep. So it's the the concept of covenant or contract, we it's it's a legal contract, right? Is so important to understand, especially when we start looking at the covenant under Christ. 
the new covenant that we have in Christ, the covenant that God promised he was going to make, right? When we start looking at that, it's, it's very important because there are terms in that new covenant. There are responsibilities. What does Thessalonians say? What does Paul tell the Thessalonians? If you have not obeyed the gospel, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? You're going to face judgment. Mm-hmm. So the gospel is something to be obeyed. It's a new covenant with new covenant terms. It's, it's so important to understand. So important to understand. And we'll, as we see and, here, and we'll try to we'll start hitting on those things a little bit as we go through because chapter twelve when we do the Passover and all that, sure. we'll look at all that stuff. We'll start we'll start to nibble at the New Testament a lot. Oh yeah, as we go oh, along. Yeah. So this happens. Zipporah circumcises her son, and that appeases mm-hmm. God. So then, now, the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness, go meet Moses. So we were wondering how Aaron knew. Here it is. Here it is, right here. It tells yep. us, right? Yep. Says, so, so the Lord said, You know what, Moses? You don't want to listen to what I'm That's fine. Aaron is coming to look for you. Meanwhile, the Lord's like, Now I'm going to go tell Aaron to come look for you, right? <laughs> None of these people know what they're doing. So it's so important to understand this is a narrative right? Mm-hmm. And the protagonist in this narrative is God. Yeah. The protagonist in the, in Genesis is God. It's not us. Mm-hmm. It's not us. We're not necessarily antagonists, although I think sometimes we are, but you know, it's, it's so interesting to see how God is just, just strings. Us There's nothing we can do. I'm yep. thinking about, you know, in the new covenant, you know, it's, it's not, it's by grace, right? It's by grace through faith and not by works, right? So that no man can boast. It's also not by works because there's no way we could do it. No, no, no. <laughs> there's just no way. There's nothing we can do. And Paul will make that point in Galatians but when you and take Romans. A, when you take a verse like that out of context and say, you see, we, we, you know, God's just going to save us no matter what. Oh, well, that's not what that says. I know it doesn't, but that's the way people use well, it. People use that. Yeah, they say, see it that, you know, if, if you... Uh, if you profess, uh, you know, baptism or something, say, oh, no, 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 you, know, you can't be saved like that. That's, that. That's, you know, and there's all those, and people, look, people twist the scriptures every day. You know, there's no question, for example, you know, in Colossians, he says, you know, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, with all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? There's an expectation here. It's not, we don't live that worthy life or seek to live a worthy life or seek to do good deeds <coughs> or good works to be saved. We do them because we are saved. But if we refuse to do them, if we refuse and say, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to participate with God. I'm saved now. I'm good. I'm going to go my own way. Well, Paul talks about people who do that and how they fall away. Mm-hmm. So this, this understanding that, yeah, I'm saved by the blood of Christ, but the expectation then is for me to, to maintain covenant. And if I don't seek to maintain covenant, if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, well, is God going to hold up his, you know? If I'm a breaker of covenant, well, he only will hold, uphold his if we if we do our part. If we spo- if we do what we're supposed exactly. to do. That's why obedience. That's why the question was, you know, how important is it to be obedient to God? It's absolutely absolutely everything. You know, Moses. There's no question that Moses is a child of Abraham. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's in that covenant, and there's a covenant expectation. If you're in the new covenant, the question that you should be screaming right now is, what are the expectations for that's the new covenant? Absolutely right. What are those expectations? Yeah. I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because they are different in in some of the application. They're different than this old covenant. It because is. Because it's a spiritual covenant, not a physical covenant. There's a lot different. You yeah. know, there's a lot different in that new covenant. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. So the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Again, this is this is a really interesting reference, especially considering what happens in the wilderness wandering between Moses, Aaron, and Miriam when they start 
when they start bickering and saying, mm -hmm. well, you know, we're prophets too. And yeah. God's like, I don't speak to you directly. Look at what Mo look what happens here. Moses informs Aaron, this is the plan. The Lord said to Aaron, go, go find, find Moses. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Left it to Moses to relay to Aaron. Yeah. And so we see Didn't that process. Didn't talk to him. We see that process even right here. He is, he is not the deliverer. That's right. Moses is. So he told all, told and I think he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't talk, he talked to Jesus. Okay. Yeah. And Jesus related to us. Yeah, sure. The deliverer. Sure. That's yeah. amazing. It's awesome. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord sent him to say and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Verse 29, Moses and Aaron, you know, we really do need to talk more about that at some point. It is, it isn't the, the deliverer concept that he's coming. I'm just thinking about it. It's, it's really cool. And it's, yeah. it's so cool especially when we start getting into the prophets aspect, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, and just how much they talked about. Even Samuel, you know, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse, starting verse 11. At the rate we're going, I'm going to be an old, old, older man. We might before. need to find a stand-in for you. Yeah. Well, human thinking, human wisdom, brother. We might need to find a replacement. You got to find a replacement for me. Lord, Lord. Or you're planning on being here for the next 25 years. Well, let's see what happens. We're so. going to be at it for a while. Uh, so Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of his, the Israelites. So, whoa, boom, boom, fast forward. We were at the mountain of God. Moses was telling Aaron. Now we're fast forwarding real quick. Now we're already now, there. We're already there. Yep. Right? Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything. So remember, this is what God said was going to happen, right? Told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. Mm -hmm. When God shows up, people notice people start taking taking notice and they start looking and they start worship and it's awesome it's just an awesome passage uh they believed and when they heard that the lord was concerned and all throughout this notice this is covenant well, name remember, of god. they've been they've been screaming out for this that's right for 400 years they've been expecting it they've been looking for it you remember in in luke what was what was zechariah doing for the people in the temple he but right before gabriel showed up he was up. He was offering the incense. Yeah, yep. carrying the prayers of the people. What do you yep. think those people were praying for? They were praying for deliverance. To pray for the, deliverance from, from the hands of the Romans. That's right. They were looking for deliverance. And what happens? A divine messenger shows up and tells Zechariah, "It's coming." Yeah, it's coming. God has heard. That's amazing. When you start connecting the dots to these things and see how the how the Old Testament and the New Testament intertwine with each other, how how Jesus intertwines in the Old Testament, it's amazing. I don't think people understand. If, if people really understood, if they would really listen to this class and listen to us talk and listen to some of the things we're connecting together, it ought to give you a, a look and say, man, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go read. I, I, got to, I got to find out. Because as I started when I was 29, the more I read, the more I hungered to read, the more I wanted to know. It's so important to understand that God looks at mankind as his beloved creation yeah you know we talk yeah. about you know when i first when i first got here i don't know almost almost two years not not quite two years almost two years Feb next year february would be two years but when i first got here i first started preaching on worldview uh -huh. biblical worldview and i started talking about right off the bat why people all people are in, are inherently deserving of respect because they are created in god's in god's image, image. Pharaoh, we're going to get into Pharaoh. We're going to start talking about Pharaoh here in a little bit in chapter 5. Pharaoh, the Babylonians, everyone else, all the other ancient cultures that existed in that day did not understand that. They did not believe that. They honestly would say, no, 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 no. It's Nebuchadnezzar who's created in the image of God. Or it's, 
you know, um, Hammurabi, who's created in the image of God, or, or it's Pharaoh or Sennacherib. It's these kings that are created in their image and entrusted to rule. And, and that's, God, why, that's why the kings of Israel took on that same persona, many of them. Not all, not all, many yeah. of them. You they know, tried, yeah. and But that wasn't the expectation. And God says in Genesis, I've created all men, both male and female, in my image to rule with me. It's Genesis chapter 1, 26. He says it very clearly. I've created them all to rule over creation, to rule with God. That's the expectation. That's what he wants. He wants us to rule with him. But God, that's his goal. That's his mindset. And then sin enters the picture. Our sin, we fall. The creation falls. Nations fall. Everybody falls into this sin and becomes a slave to this power. Paul personifies sin very clearly as a as a, a king itself, as a, a reigning king who reigns through death and destruction and chaos and all these things. And so all of these things fall power to it. What's God going to do? He's got a choice. He's God. He could just say, I'm done. I'm done. And I'm it'd done. be done. Look at what he did in Noah's generation, where they became so wicked that the only righteous man was Noah. And was was Noah righteous because of what he did? No. Noah was righteous because he had faith. We know that. The text says, right? And the righteous mm -hmm. will live by faith. Mm -hmm. So Noah knew what God wanted and lived within that. And he faithfully tried to follow him. And he was a righteous man. And so God saved Noah and his family because he was a righteous Absolutely. man. Absolutely. And destroyed everything else. We are going to be held accountable. Pharaoh and Egypt are about to be held accountable. Yes, they are. Because God cares. God cares about his creation. He cares about people. As churches, as congregations, we need to wake up to this fact. Revelation very clearly says, God's going to come in. He's going to come in. And if you've forgotten what you're supposed to be doing, if you've looked away, if you've gone off into the far country, if you, I'm going to remove your lampstand, is what John tells the churches in Asia. Yep. We need to wake up. Peter warns the church. Peter warns the church very strongly. He says, if judgment's going to start here, right? Judgment's certainly going to come upon the world, but it's going to start with us. It's going to start with the church. As a congregation, we have to make sure that we are following Christ and putting his priorities first. That's number one. so important because God cares about and if, people. And if that's not where you find yourself, then you need to seriously start look at, look at your, own, your own decisions you're making in your life. You know, yeah. am I following Am I, am I with a group of people that is following after Christ and to do what he says to do and, 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 and match it up with what the book says? And if the answer is no, then, you know, you've got some serious decisions. Moses had some serious, Zipporah has a decision. She has to take that child whack, you know, you know, in the middle of the night when she realizes that God's coming to kill her husband and, and to honor the covenant. Uh, we have those things in our lives too. There are things that I've been doing, things you've been doing, things that we do in our life that we got to stop. God's we got to start following God. God's going to show up. Yeah, he's going to show up. He showed up here. He showed up during the time when the Romans had taken over Judea. Judea. We see through the book of Judges all sorts of ways God shows up. He's going to show up here too, Cole. He's going to show up. You can't, are we going you can't to keep be... Doing, you, can't keep, you can't keep doing the things that we've been doing as a society, not as a country, but as a society, as a as the world society, and and God, and and due to God's chosen people, due to God's creation, what we do, and God not show up. It's God is hearing right. the prayers of, of faithful people. The question that we have to answer is: When God shows up, are we going to be like the Israelites here, bowing down and worshiping, or are we going to be like Pharaoh, digging in? 
obstinate you know, just, and eventually reap destruction. I just preached about what does it mean to glorify God and what is it, you know, to honestly honor him with our lives, honor him with a consecrated life, honor him with the deeds that we do, with the with the decisions that we're going to be of one mind and one spirit and one flesh. We're going to be we're going to be like minded and quit quit arguing and bickering all the time and and really stand for what, what truth says and not stand for what my opinion is. That's right. You know, and let, let's that the only way we bring honor and glory to the Father, to the Master, the one who created us, and 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 have Him come, and and we and we are like the Israelites in that regard, where God's coming to save us. Jesus is going to come back. God's going to send Him back, just like God showed up in in Israelites' time and Moses' time. God, Jesus is going to come back, and when He does, when He does, says it says in that text that you talked about a while ago. In Second Thessalonians, he said, there is we have to be obedient to the gospel. And he says, if we don't, Jesus is going to come back in blazing fire with his powerful angels and take vengeance on those that do not know God and those that have not obeyed the gospel. So we know what's going to happen. That's right. He's going to take vengeance. God's fixing to take vengeance on Pharaoh and Egypt. He is going to clean them up because they will not do what he told them to do. That's right. So God's coming back. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, to be a part of your family. For those, Father, that are watching that are not, I pray, Father, your blessings upon them and your patience with them and your and your guidance uh, that, that classes like this and, and them studying for themselves will lead them to you and to an understanding and to an obedience that you require of them. Father, bless us as we move forward. Help us, Father, to be a, to be a people that longs for you and loves you and is obedient to you and we'll do the things that you call us to do. We're not perfect. We know that. We needed your son to, to bring perfection in our life. And we thank you for him, for him showing up. We know he's coming back again. And we ask, Father, that you be patient with us as we get ready for him coming back. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.